Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to the first episode of The Signal. I'm your host, Daniel Tarker, and this is a podcast that's going to be about leadership in all its myriad forms, all its uh, all the different ways uh, this elusive concept we call leadership uh, manifests itself. And hopefully we're going to be engaging in some thoughtful discussions as this pod- podcast progresses and evolves and um, finds itself in a sense. Uh, it's also associated with a uh, Substack that I've created, which I'll, in which I'll be posting some uh, blog posts, and you can sign up uh, to that so, uh, Substack, and you can find the um, the links to subscribe in the program notes uh, to this podcast. Um, and there will also be some other media associated with this podcast as well. I, I hope to develop as 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 this thing grows, because I'm hoping that this can grow into a platform where we can uh, discuss and engage in the topic of um, leadership and what it means in a thoughtful and humorous and lighthearted way, because there is a lot to laugh about as far as leadership in the United States. One of the motivations for starting this podcast and starting the Substack articles and uh, in my own scholarship around leadership um, is a frustration in that uh, we seem to be in the midst of a, a leadership crisis uh, in the United States and the world. Uh, what does it mean to be a leader? What do we look for in our leaders? And why is that? And, and why is leadership important to us? And why is it not important to us in some cases uh, in this day and age? Um, and so that's going to be part of the conversation too, and hopefully, inform, you know, hopefully we'll find some answers together as we uh, take this journey. You know, I'm hoping that this podcast, in this podcast, we have interviews, uh, discussion panels, and uh, different things like that. Uh, but we'll also have uh, some uh, episodes that are more um, lighthearted in nature, and this is going to be one of those. Uh, So what I've done is I've collected several headlines about leadership off of uh, the interwebs and compiled some uh, humorous headlines or composed my own headlines uh, to describe what I'm seeing in the um, in the article and so hopefully this will uh, these will help you think about leadership in some new ways or bring to light some new information that you want to explore more deeply I will post um, links to the articles that I'm discussing in this podcast in the program notes as well along with again the substack uh, links and uh, ways to subscribe uh, to this podcast. So, um, so yeah. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the headlines. Headline number one: Former CIA agent wonders where the hell have all the leaders gone? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the question that we're all asking. It's actually the reason that we. Uh, that I'm starting this podcast and this Substack uh, to ask that very question: Where the hell have all the leaders gone? The article is published in the Washington Examiner under the Restoring uh, America uh, banner, and the, the actual title is not far from my parody of it. It's, it is just where where have all the leaders gone? 
Um, it was published on December 22nd by Mark Polymeropoulos. And, you know, he asks several uh, questions in this article um, and definitely uh, that are important. And I think he definitely frames it around some uh, <laughs> important observations around um, the divisiveness in our country right now and the polarization um, and uh, that because of all the partisan turmoil, it's really hard for anyone to step into a leadership uh, position. And he seems to be centering a lot of um, his concept of leadership on ethics uh, and uh, morality. He's, he writes that, I fear that the concepts of selflessness over selfishness and of doing the right thing, ethics and morals first, hallmarks of history of great leaders often seem to be missing today. Hmm. I wonder who he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, there is irony here that he is writing for a, a conservative, you know, right-wing right, uh, publication or right publication. I'm not sure if it's far right, but it's definitely on the right and conservative, right-wing and conservative end of the spectrum, um, which is interesting because even though he's uh, lamenting that um, there are no morals or there are no we have a lack of morality and ethics tied with our concepts of leadership today, which would probably, be, probably uh, many people would agree, be embodied uh, by someone like Donald Trump, let's say. Um, I'm going out on a limb there. <laughs> but that a lot of people would uh, view, view, view an observation like this in the context of someone like Trump. And I think no matter what part of the side of the aisle you're on, you've, you've got to be able to see that. And so he's framing it around there, and he does talk about the January 6th insurrection um, and that it's well-deserved uh, that we think of it in terms of a horrific thing. And he also highlights some, some examples of leadership in that um, horrific situation, most notably Representative Abigail Sparberger, a former, who he says is a former CIA officer who, quote, Thankfully, had the training to deal with the high threat situations. She reportedly, according to him, assisted her fellow representatives on, on both sides of the aisle and uh, taking shelter in the Capitol. That she she showed uh, some of that selflessness that he spoke about earlier in the article in order to protect colleagues. And then he highlights several key features of leadership that he thinks are important. Um, or principles, and there's four of them uh, that he highlights. And one is that leadership is necessarily righteous as far as ethics, morality, and legality. I think the issue of ethical leadership is something that increasingly has become more and more important um, in conversations, especially since Enron and then the, the banking crisis that led to the Great Recession and a lot of our failures in political leadership. And, and But even, even though there's discussions around these abstract things like ethical leadership, are we seeing it in practice? Are we seeing our leaders change? One could even argue that his argument at the beginning that all of our leaders historically, our great leaders have been highly ethical and moral people. Well, I think we see also see that in uh, the reaction to some to folks we have honored uh, in the past that not everyone would agree with that statement, that there have been a lot of leaders throughout um, uh, the United States history and world history, uh, no matter what geographic area you're from uh, or you're looking at, uh, who have not been the exemplars of ethical leadership. I think it's something more that we need to explore more deeply, that concept of ethics. And we value it in our leaders, but is that necessarily always there and is always present and does it always need to be present and, and why? But that's, that's a thread for another uh, conversation on a different podcast. Uh, he also says, 
uh, leaders must embrace the tenet of send me. Run to the fire, he says, not away from it. Meaning that when the, the times get tough, you need to uh, stand up and, and run into the, the, the fire and do your duty to uh, lead change and, and improve the situation. Um, and so uh, and that is a type of leadership, right? There are many types of leadership as will be a founding premise to this whole podcast that not all leadership looks the same. So uh, sometimes there's leading from behind and it's not always about you rushing in to take the lead in every situation. Sometimes other lead- sometimes leaders are more effective when they're uh, behind the scenes. So, uh, but from his his set of principles, he wants to see leaders who are going to rush in and, and take a lead and be present. And I definitely think that is one legitimate type of leadership. Um, and then um, to be selfless is his fourth, his third principle. Never ask others to do what you would not do yourself. Yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, we want to see that our leaders are self, selfless and that they're not striving toward their goals for self-gain. For sure, uh, and because pe- people do get cynical about that, that's that's the percep- one of the perceptions of uh, people who arise to leadership positions is that they're out for themselves and to uh, get all the goodies for for them and their family and their uh, friends through nepotism and cronyism, and that everybody else kind of gets left out, fighting over for fighting over the the crumbs that are left behind after the so-called leaders take all the the really good stuff for themselves. So. Yeah, and he also, uh, as part of that, build talent and in teams and uh, champion people. And all those are things you can get behind. And then finally, he talks about communication. Uh, and that's a, a fourth, the fourth principle of what makes a good leader and that leadership must be infectious. And I think that's true. And that's also one type of leadership that's, that's more along the charismatic end of the spectrum of leadership. You know, once again, we have leadership manifesting in many different ways uh, in our world and in our organizations. And he's clearly speaking to the uh, front and center, stand up, uh, run into the fire, uh, inspire people with your words type of leadership. But I think as we go through this podcast, we'll discover there's uh, many different forms of, of that. But he is right in the overall uh, assessment that we're all asking this, you know, as we are uh, two years into a worldwide pandemic and things are marginally better than they were when things first started to um, a lock, when we first started to lock down, for instance, and tried to wrestle with what this virus was. Yeah, so there is a sense of absence. A sense of where are these leaders? Where are the people who are going to get us to a better place? Uh, which is what we all hope for, right? If we don't have a hope for something better in the future, that le- leads to despair. That leads to just giving up and shutting down and isolating oneself. And why bother? And that won't be healthy for our society if, if that creeps in. And we do live in a world where um, we are so divided, so divided, uh, and so... Um, at each other's throats, that it, it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to rally together and and be united around any one person. And and I, you know, historically we know the idea that everybody's going to rally around one person or one group of people or one uh, agenda is is naive. It's never really been like that. But at the same time, the uh, perception that we are so polarized uh, and so divided that nobody can really take leadership and get things done feels very real to us, I think. And I think I'm speaking for everyone who's listening. So, um, yeah, I think it opens up a good question. Uh, Where are our leaders? 
Headline number two, Leadership Consultant Trashes Nice People in Four-Minute-Long Think Piece. This article is actually provocatively titled Three Reasons to Stop Being Nice at Work by Kelly D. Parker for the website Fast Company, and it was published on December 21st, 2001, just in time for Christmas, encouraging people to stop being nice at work. Actually, the gist of the article is that there's a difference between being nice and being kind. Uh, Kelly cites some research on this, and there's actually a a bit of a movement around this distinction uh, between being nice and being kind. Actually, a different website uses the dictionary.com definition of nice as pleasing, agreeable, and delightful, and differentiates that from kind, which is defined as having showing or proceeding from benevolence. So the key there is the idea that you're making your choices, your your actions are grounded in an ethical position of benevolence. Whereas being nice is more superficial. And that seems to be where the author uh, Kelly Parker is going with this think piece that the idea is that when you're nice, it's a kind of a more superficial thing. You're trying to impress others and you're doing it as a more performative action. You're performing nice. And so uh, that's kind of hollow and superficial. And we've all probably seen people like that at work. There are, there are these uh, very uh, exuberant, uh, almost over exuberant types of people who are super nice and approach everything in a very bubbly manner, but you have this sense underneath uh, their behavior that they're not really coming from an authentic, genuine place. And people can sense that kind of stuff. Whereas being kind is more authentic because it's coming from a more benevolent place, according to the definition, and that People who are kind are are doing it because they are are grounded in in this sense that the actions that they're taking are for the benefit of the the people that they are interacting with. Whereas being nice is maybe for your own personal benefit and and promoting your own self-image. I guess that would be the the distinction between those two things. And uh, the author cites some research conducted by the Association of Professional Executives of the Public Service of Canada, Apex, who found that people who worked in respectful, kind environments express 36% more satisfaction with their job jobs and are 44% more committed to their organization because the kind, the kindness where it's benevolent and that's Things are done to uh, help people rather than to promote your own self-interest are seen as promoting more engagement and more certainty among the the employees. Interesting article. I think there's probably some truth to it and the importance of creating a uh, a kind culture rather than a nice culture. Because I do think like even with kindness, sometimes you can say things more truthfully, come from a kind place, and that can even include things that people don't want to hear or may not like. Caring, but that they need to hear. Whereas if you're coming from a nice place, you might be more hesitant to say those things because you don't want to rock the boat, as it were. So, so yeah, some so some more things to, to chew on. And as we exit the holiday season, let's just keep on trashing nice people. Headline number three: Fox News fearmongers about woke leadership in the military. <laughs> I'm not even really going to give this article um, the time of day. (laughs) It was written by Jeff Field and 
posted in late December of 2001, and the actual headline is American Warriors Concerned with Woke Military Leadership Destroying the Fabric of Why Soldiers Fight. <laughs> you know, um, I... At one point in my life, I was a military brat. Well, I guess I, once you're a military brat, you're always a military brat. And uh, I grew up living on military bases. And I have a real hard time believing that... Um, I have a hard time believing that the military is ever going to be so-called woke. That's just not really in their culture. I can see where there might be efforts to um, uh, be more inclusive within the military and to uh, promote diversity, but I would always say that uh, a military base is probably one of the most diverse places you'll find anywhere in the United States because everybody's welcome into the military, you know, barring certain disabilities and other things, but but as far as race and gender and even a sexual orientation and, and you know, including transgender uh, soldiers now even, the military is a very diverse place, so... That's a good thing, and that's not necessarily what I would call woke. And of course, the article goes on uh, to attack the Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark uh, Milley because of his statements about critical race theory and how he's read Mao and read Lenin and Marx, and that doesn't make him a communist. And that's true. I think the attempts to take his statements out of context are disingenuous because I think as far as leadership goes, I think a leader has to be aware of the diversity of opinions and perspectives and ideologies that they're dealing with. So leaders should read about different points of view. It doesn't mean that they're indoctrinated. It doesn't mean they buy into that particular point of view. Unfortunately, we live in a culture um, on the left and on the right who think just because you're exposed to an idea, it's going to poison your mind. Again, there might be some truth to that. The, you know, I think social media is probably the biggest place people find their minds poisoned. But reading a book, not necessarily so. And just because it's presenting an ideology that you don't particularly subscribe to or that you've chosen to um, make a partisan issue, that's all irrelevant in the big, grander scheme of things. Uh, a national leader like General Milley should be reading about critical race theory and Mao and Marx and Lenin and Thomas Jefferson and everybody else within the political and ideological spectrum. And that's just, that's just how it is. So, I mean, there's just, again, uh, Fox News fear-mongering like CSNBC does and CNN does and the rest of the political establishment or media establishment does. Political establishment, because they're all tied to the political parties now and to different ideological camps. And so it's an economic model for these businesses, uh, these clickbait, fear-mongering articles that are destroying our country and dividing us and polarizing us and it's a it's a terrible terrible thing the only thing we can do is to stop clicking on them but i had to click on it to share it with you so i guess i'll take one for the team so you don't have to read this <laughs> this divisive hollow shallow propaganda from the staggering um depths of hell called fox news <laughs> Headline number four, leadership is a paradox wrapped in an enigma, smothered in spicy contradictions with a side of riddle sauce. 
this headline was inspired by the article from balancing confidence and humility to being visible and invisible the paradoxes of great leadership by harvey schatzter published on december 17th in the globe and the mail and this is an article that cites several consultants who are talking about uh, the paradoxes of leadership. And, and much of this is, of course, true. Uh, and it definitely contributes to the whole sense of leadership being such an ambiguous concept that it's hard to research, it's hard to define, it's hard to identify what it is. It's kind of like pornography. I know it when I see it, right? And that really does make a challenge when you're create a challenge when you're trying to talk about what leadership is. But we have uh, consultants David Dotlich and Peter Cairo, as well, as well as Tim Elmore, in this article talking about these 11 uh, paradoxes. And I'm just going to uh, run through them real quick and maybe throw in a few thoughts uh, in response to some of their leadership paradoxes. So we'll go through their bullets. Um, great leaders balance confidence and humility. Well, yeah, you definitely want a, somebody who uh, has a clear idea of where they're going, but at the same time is humble enough to uh, listen to others and know that they don't, they're not, they don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but they need to listen to all the experts that they've gathered around them to, to be able to make good decisions. And that sometimes they get it wrong and they have to admit and learn uh, when they get something wrong. Bullet point two, great leaders leverage their vision and their blind spots. Also very true, right? We, a leader, the leader, a leader is often expected to have a vision to, you know, that's what leadership is. And for a lot of folks is being able to lead people from point A to point B. But if you don't have a vision of what point B or C or D looks like, then there's nowhere to lead them. So you have to have some, some level of vision. And you also have to know where your blind spots are. Where are the th what are the things that you're not seeing? And that again brings in that, that humility and knowing that other people uh, have ideas that you might not be seeing or perceptions or observations that you might need to consider. Uh, they also say great leaders embrace visibility and invisibility. I think that's true too right you know you want a leader to be present and there's uh, a value in that and the leader uh, being there especially to, initi to initiate projects but also knowing when they need to step back and be invisible so that the rest of the team can move the ball forward i i think of lao tzu uh, when i think about that invisibility aspect the importance of the invisible leader the person who's working behind the scenes to make things move forward great leaders are stubborn and open-minded yeah well you want to have a level of stubbornness and to doggedly uh, move something forward to be tenacious but at the same time to be open-minded about what people are learning or uh, discovering as you go through a process and be flexible to changes that emerge so you might have to figure out a different course to get to that desired destination or vision great leaders are deeply personal and inherently collective well yeah there's a personal act, act aspect to leadership but also there's this collective, right? There's the, it's what's coming from you and how are you motivating yourself and uh, leading yourself? And then how are you bringing everybody into that direction that you want to take everyone into? And that, that it is a group effort at the end of the day, as well as a deeply personal one. Great leaders are teachers and learners, right? So, uh, Good leaders are constantly learning. They're constantly uh, making sense of the changing world and collecting more information and learning. Um, and But they're also mentoring other folks too and teaching them uh, what they've learned to uh, move them forward. And if you can keep building your team and strengthening your team, that's just gonna make uh, your operations better too and your leadership better. Uh, great leaders 
role model, a great leader's motto, high standards and gracious forgiveness. So you want to set those standards uh, so that people have something to aim for and making them high, uh, but also forgiveness because not and gracious forgiveness because people make mistakes and uh, you have to uh, uh, allow for that. Doesn't mean that you have to uh, like what happened or approve of it, but you have to also be willing to forgive it and uh, let otherwise people won't willing to take risks. And then finally, leaders are timely and timeless. So you want to be in the moment and responding to things as they happen, but at the same time, make sure that there's there are core values that you're operating by that make your leadership timeless. So these are some of the ways these consultants. <laughs> uh, highlight some very important truths, but also highlight the fact that leadership is a very difficult thing to define. And it's, so it's a hard, it's a hard thing to have a discussion about, because if I were to go into a room and ask, survey 20 or 30 people about what, how they define leadership, there, there'd be some commonalities to it for sure, but there'd also be a, a wide ranging difference. And, you know, there are studies that show there are like over a hundred different theories of leadership in the academic literature, probably even more than that. And that creates some real challenges. Is it traits that we're talking about? Are, are we talking about situational leadership in which a, a person is has a certain set of skills that make them best suited for a particular type of leadership at a particular time and moment and situation? Are we talking about behaviors? Are we talking about ethics? Are we talking about a mindset like servant leadership? So there's so many different dimensions to leadership. We could, we'll probably never end and talking about it. So something else to consider, uh, the ambiguity and the contradictions and the paradoxes about this strange thing that this podcast is devoted to talking about leadership. It's an enigma wrapped in a paradox <laughs> for sure. Headline number five, study with small sample size says poor sense making can lead to deadly catastrophe. That's my a little attempt at making a, a fear-mongering headline in the in the tradition of CNN and CNBC and Fox News. <laughs> the actual headline reads: UNO UNH research amidst COVID-19 finds leadership style may impact crisis outcomes. This seems to be a more of a press release from the universities, the University of Nebraska at Omaha, as well as the University of New Hampshire, and I believe Oregon State is involved in this as well. And the the researchers looked at 19 world leaders from the G20 and then added another 16 female heads of state to balance out the sample for a total of 35 world leaders. And they looked at statements they made between January 1st and June 1st of 2020 via internet searches to conduct their study. So it's really a study uh, looking at the language people used, heads of state used to um, talk about the COVID-19 pandemic. And so the the main finding is that they're highlighting in this press release is that leaders with a pragmatic style were more malleable and able to problem solve during complex circumstances but those with a charismatic style put too much emphasis on their message on their message and goals giving a false sense of security rather than adapting to a specific situations and it seems to be a real divide between 
what they're calling pragmatic leadership, and that might be also described as maybe more data-driven leadership and consulting with experts and so forth that leads to are uh, characteristics maybe of that pragmatic style versus charismatic leadership in which um, people are, the leaders are, are more focused on their overall political message and trying to keep people calm and not incite panic and things of that nature, behaviors of that nature. And so the pragmatic, the pragma, the pragmatists won in the study in a sense in that they, their country, the countries they led had lower infection rates of COVID-19 than those who, those than the leaders in country, than the countries who were led by people who could be described as more charismatic uh, leaders. And that's an interesting finding because charismatic leadership is often associated with, with transformational leadership. Actually, there's several attributes in uh, transformational leadership that are often described as, uh, when you have them together, are described as uh, charismatic. And so it's often been said, or it has been observed, that transformational leadership, as positive as a lot of the literature says it is as far as leading change, uh, can also be used in a negative way. There can be negative consequences to transformational leadership approaches. They can be manipulative, for instance, speaking to people's values in a way that the transformational leader and the organization benefits because uh, they're coercing people to do work or labor um, based on values and maybe not co- compensating them well enough for their work. So there's ways that transformational leadership and even charismatic leadership, as lauded as they can be in some in some areas, can be used in a negative way. So that's something to, to think about. It also reminds me, I recently read a paper that I helped peer review about leadership styles and a, a really good observation in that paper was about the positive aspects of laissez-faire leadership. And laissez-faire, kind of in that family of transformational, transactional, and laissez-faire leadership, what is often called the full-range model of leadership. And uh, laissez-faire is where the leader is kind of more hands-off uh, and distant or absent. We talked about the invisible leader earlier. And everything's a choice, right? And so... Uh, uh, there, are, there may be times to be a lot more laissez-faire and hands-off uh, and invisible, uh, as the, uh, a previous article we talked about discussed. And laissez-faire is often labeled as very negative because followers or subordinates or people um, in the organization see the laissez-faire leader, laissez-faire leader as disengaged and absent. And, and so those would be the negative aspects of laissez-faire, but it could also be positive too, where the, the a laissez-faire approach allows people to be more creative uh, and innovative in the absence of the maybe more formal leader. Maybe it gives more opportunity for informal leadership to emerge in an organization by being able to stand back and let that emerge. Because sometimes it's hard for leadership to manifest in an environment where there is a, uh, somebody maybe with official leadership, an official leadership role. And so maybe uh, we should be thinking of laissez-faire in all of its dimensions as far as its positive and negative aspects and being very intentional about it, as well as with transformational leadership approaches and charismatic leadership and so forth. I think it all gets back to that intentionality that was described in a previous article that we discussed earlier in the podcast around uh, being nice and being kind. The, ki- the kindness comes out of intentionality and a purpose and that real desire to be 
benevolent to those around you. And the, I think the same is true of any leadership approach. You know, you want to be intentional and thoughtful about why you're being absent, why you're being transformational, why you're being invisible. Because they're all choices, and I think it's just about being intentional and, and making a strategic choice. So the findings from this article are interesting. I think, again, the sample size is so small, and we have a unique environment that they're exploring or a unique uh, novel situation and far, as far as the pandemic. Uh, hopefully, we won't have another episode like this anytime soon. But I think it it could contribute to a lar- some larger studies that are going on around, for instance, uh, authoritarianism too is being studied in terms of pandemics and uh, countries where there are, are high levels of infectious diseases. And there's been a, found a, corollar- a, co- a correlation between countries that have high rates of infection and uh, more authoritarian governments. So uh, there's a lot to learn about what leadership looks like during a pandemic or when we have high rates of infectious diseases. And this unfortunately might not be our last pandemic, Uh, probably will not be our last pandemic. So the more we can learn from this one, the better off we'll be in the long run. All right, so that brings us to the end of the first episode of the Signal podcast. I hope you got something from this slightly unusual modest, uh, model of uh, uh, delving into a subject, looking at the headlines, toying with them a little bit, and then kind of unpacking uh, the contents and reflecting on them. Uh, hopefully that was helpful to you and that you subscribe if you did enjoy this podcast or and share it with your friends on social media or recommend it. I do hope to have more guests on the show. So If you have recommendations or suggestions, please send them my way. I look forward to receiving those. And yeah, even for me going through this process of looking at those headlines has helped me reflect on a few things that I might use in my leadership role, my day-to-day job. So uh, I hope hope that becomes helpful for you. Uh, I hope this podcast is helpful for you in that respect. And uh, please subscribe and look at our Substack. Subscribe to the Substack that's in the program notes as well, uh, we'll, where I'll be also be sharing more written content coming from this signal apparatus that I'm trying to build here. So um, I hope all of you out there in podcast land have a great day or evening or afternoon or or whatever time you might be existing within as you listen and uh, lead on. Is it worth it? And you and the coat and shoes fall.